Welcome to the Mama Needs a Moment podcast. We're your hosts, Chrissy and Cindy, co-founders of Her Health Collective. We are two moms obsessed with revolutionizing the way moms take care of themselves. We are so glad you're here. Let's dive in. We are so excited to have Megan Edinger joining us on the show today. Megan is a 36-year-old mom of three married to her high school sweetheart. They had their first baby just after her 18th birthday, and Megan has been on a journey with her mental and physical health ever since. She is passionate about telling her story and sharing her experience in hopes that other moms feel less alone and feel empowered to take action to improve their own health. Megan is the host of the Finding Wellness podcast and a holistic health coach, helping women cut through all the clutter and competing information in the wellness space to find what works for them. Today, we dive into what teen pregnancy looked like for Megan and how she and her partner were able to make it work, as well as taking a deep dive into Megan's experience with postpartum depression and anxiety and how that has led her to the mental health advocacy work she does today. Megan's story is one of love, strength, and a deep passion for telling it like it is. It's no surprise then that today, she delivers, even as we talk about some tough topics. Have a listen. It's delightful to see you. I'm really excited. Thank you. Yes, you too. I'm excited to be here. This is our second or third time of being able to chat. And I really enjoy our conversations. Like Christy was saying that as well. When we welcomed you on prior to recording, we were all just giddy with excitement. Yeah. I'm going to put you on a spot. Sure. We're going to give you two minutes. And in that two minutes, we'd love for you to share some things about yourself, who you are, why you do what you do, some of your current struggles as a mom. Those are just some options for you, but yeah, two minutes go. Sure. Okay, great. My name is Megan. I am a wife. I'm married to my high school sweetheart. I have three children. The oldest is in his first semester or his second semester now at college. So we're adjusting to life at home without him. I have two more children. They're both in middle school. So that's been a really fun age. I have been on just a journey with my mental health and my health in general. Since I had my first baby at the age of 18, I had him just two weeks after my 18th birthday. I did experience some depression back then, but I lied to my doctor at that six week checkup. I said, Oh no, everything's great. I feel great. Depression and anxiety has been kind of on and off, but something that I was able to just kind of, you know, power through and just accept as my normal until 2020 when I, you know, suffered the most severe anxiety and depression I've ever encountered and was in complete denial. Like I almost lost my marriage. It was really bad. And so since I have gone to therapy and got on some medicine and learned, you know, some new tools and really gained some self-awareness about myself, my triggers, what I need and how to ask for it, all of those sorts of things. I just find it really important to share my story so that other moms know that, you know, some of the things that they're struggling with might not be normal or might not have to be their normal. You know, there are things that they might be able to do to support themselves. So I just think that it's really important to kind of share that with transparency. Well, welcome to our podcast. And we are thrilled to be able to ask you questions and have you share your story. Our community, I know, is is going to love you because we we love you. We adore you. <laughs> Thanks for being willing to share all of that with us. Sure. Okay. Now for the hard part. Are you ready? Okay. Maybe. 
This is a random question we pull out of a hat and give you, so there's no prep time. I'm going to have you pick a number one through 10, and that will determine what question I give you. So okay. go ahead. Let's do seven. Ooh, seven. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> oh, now. What do you try and keep an open mind about? Ooh. Lately, I've been trying to keep an open mind about things that are happening around me that don't have necessarily a lot to do with me, but that I'm involved in. Just trying to always remember that what I'm seeing is only like one part of the story and I don't have to tell myself stories or make meaning out of things, right? So like if someone doesn't call me, I don't have to tell myself the story that they're mad at me or they don't like me anymore or whatever. It's just that they haven't called me. I just really try very hard with intention to really keep an open mind about those sorts of circumstances. Megan, <laughs> how, how did you just come? That's amazing. Uh, that yes, was awesome. I, I'm taking notes. I appreciate everything you said because I do that and I, I well done on the spot. Um, <laughs> kudos. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of admire you about that. <laughs> that was a great answer. And ironically, I just did that with Chrissy yesterday. She, I don't, we were on a, no, it was our meeting. We had, we have a weekly meeting and I was like, are you mad at me about something? She's like, no, why? <laughs> it's because I interpreted it. I told myself a story and I was like, this is what it is. And yeah. Oh my gosh. I think I had had a delay on my Zoom is, is what she said. So my computer, so like she said something and there was a pause before I responded. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, she's mad. This is it. This is, she's divorcing me. Yeah. No more podcasts. No more business together. No more friendship. <laughs> I don't know what I did, but I'm so sorry. <laughs> but isn't it funny how quickly that escalates in our brains? so quickly. It's so yeah. true. Yeah. The stories we tell ourselves have so much power and we have so little control over it. Like it, it happens, it happens naturally, but we do have cognitive power. We, we have that metacognition. If we build that awareness, we mm -hmm. can stop it and change the story because most people are not involved in what we're doing. They could care less about our story. They're involved in their own story. Yeah. And it's so helpful to remember that. My, my uh, therapist always takes me back to what, what can you give? Can you give yourself self-compassion in this yeah. moment? And I'm like, I don't know. No. I'm so deep in it. I don't, <laughs> what do I say nice to this chick? I just don't know. <laughs> you have a, a freshman in college going into his second semester. Oh my yeah, gosh. That is ridiculous. 18. Um, his college is two and a half hours away. So it's far enough that, you know, we're not right in his backyard, but close enough. Um, he's an athlete. So we get to still go to some of his matches and, and those types of things. So we've seen him quite a bit, but still, you know, a transition in the household. Oh, I, I, I can't, I can't imagine what it's like to see your first born go off and venture into their own, yeah. their own world. Oh, the scariness. But you also said, and I quote, I have two middle schoolers and that's fun. <laughs> and I was like, what <laughs> is that like for real? Are you, you know, is it goes back to those stories that we tell ourselves, right? Because I used to tell myself like middle school is the worst. Middle school boys are the worst. Middle school girls are even worse than middle school boys. And I was ruining my own experience. Right. Um, my kids have a really fun sense of humor. 
And if I choose to engage in that, then we have more fun as a family, right? Which makes my experience as a mom much more enjoyable. So while it's not always fun, I choose to see it through that lens and tell myself that story rather than the story of, I hate middle school. (laughs) Note taken. I've already taken one thing away from our podcast today. So (laughs) thanks, Megan. You're welcome. (laughs) So in your two minute introduction, you shared a bit about your story of going from a teen parent and to now you are parenting teens, but that was just a little snapshot of what's gone on in your life. We'd love to talk candidly about your path because while in no way is it an outlier, I mean, women married and had children young in the past all the time, that was the way things were, it's unconventional based on today's standards. Yeah. We'd like to understand how this all impacted your life and what it was like going against the grain. Will you take us back to the life when you and your husband began dating and then tell us a little bit about what the environment of your school was like, um, the relationship between both of your families kind of set the stage to finding out that you were pregnant. I grew up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and then I moved to a very small town when I was a sophomore in high school. I met Drew, my husband, when we were 16. He was driving. I was not yet. We had a class together. We were both dating other people at the time, but there was a definite, you know, attraction and some flirtation happening there. And the very last day of our semester, he was like, oh, my friend's having a Super Bowl party this weekend. Like, do you want to come? Because we kind of had different friend circles. And I was like, um, sure. Like you probably need my phone number. And I had to give him my home phone number that my mom yep. would answer when he called. So that's landline we are now. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you talking about it is like, it was the spark, this little Shazam that happened between us, but we were both linked to other, it was like, it's like a, a romance novel. Keep going. So I give him my phone number. We go to this party which almost didn't happen because it snowed that night and my mom didn't want me getting in his car and his mom was also like not really cool with him driving. And we were both like, I'm not handling, you know, I I don't want my mom to drive me. That whole argument was happening in both of our households, unbeknownst to us. He caved before I did. I was in the middle of like a screaming match with my mom and he calls and he was like, so my mom's going to drive us and my dad's going to drive us home if that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's so sweet. I was ready to not go at all rather than call him and tell him that my mom said I wasn't allowed. (laughs) (laughs) So we go, we have a great time. I come home. My mom's like, so what's the deal? Like, what's the deal with this kid? And I was like, "Mm, I don't know. Like I, maybe we're just friends. Maybe he just invited me just to be nice. Like, I don't know. And then the next weekend I went to my dad's house and we didn't really see each other in school that whole week. And I came home and I saw his name on my caller ID, but he didn't leave a message. And so I'm like running around my house, trying to find my mom, trying to find my stepdad. I'm like, did you talk to Drew? No, no. I'm like, I can't call him back. He didn't talk to anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Did he know that? Did he know you had caller ID? No, but it was at that time time. where some people had it and some people didn't. And if you had it, you were like a step ahead. (laughs) Yeah. So there was like a little bit of that, like in the beginning. And then once we finally connected again, we were just basically inseparable from then on out. 
And we found out we were pregnant. We had been dating a little bit less than a year. I was terrified, totally terrified. Seniors in high school. And we had been, you know, applying to our colleges that we wanted to go to. Like we were making plans as individuals. And now all of a sudden I'm pregnant. And, you know, I went to him and I was like, like, what are we going to do? And (laughs) I laugh every time I tell this story because he's like, you know, well, I mean, it's your body. I'm comfortable with whatever you're comfortable with. Like, what do you, what do you want to do? And I was such a brat. I was like, okay, I'm having a baby. Are you like, are you doing this with me or what? Um, so obviously we, we kept the baby. I was terrified to tell my parents, um, particularly my mom, but you know, word got out in school and I have, I'm the oldest of five. So I was like, I I have to tell my mom before one of my friggin' brothers and sisters comes home and says something. So we had that conversation and both of our parents were, you know, not super thrilled, but very, very supportive. You know, they, everyone agreed that, you know, while it wasn't the most ideal situation, you know, we were relatively good kids and we had good heads on our shoulders and that we would be okay. What, what were your plans prior to the pregnancy? You said going to college, but how Mm -hmm. did it alter the trajectory of the way your life was heading? Yeah. So I was planning to go to Gwen and Mercy college in Montgomery County and he was planning Pennsylvania and he was planning to go to Bloomsburg university, which was like, I don't know, probably three hours away from where I was planning to go. Um, so I was going to study to be a teacher and he was going for accounting and business. And I immediately was like, well, I'm not going to school. Like that's just not going to work for me, but you should go, you should go to Bloomsburg and go get your degree. And you know, like the baby and I will be here when you get back (laughs) (laughs) Um, because we're both, and we'll get more into this later, but we're both children of divorce. Right. So I had this story that I was telling myself that if he didn't go to school and do the things that he wanted to do, that one day he would look back and say, like, I could have done all of these things, but you didn't let me, or you held me back. And that was a really big fear of mine for a really long time. And I even get emotional talking about it now. And so for a while, you know, teenagers are so dumb. He was like, well, you can come with me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And just stay in my dorm. (laughs) Like, "Mm, that's no, that's not going to work. We'll make a bed in the corner for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so back then you got kicked off of your parents' health insurance when you were 19, if you weren't a full-time student. So for the first 30 days, my mom was able to carry Timmy on her insurance since I was still 18 and he was my dependent. But after 30 days, he needed different insurance because she couldn't cover him. Like he wasn't her dependent. So she couldn't continue to cover him beyond that. So Drew, instead of going to school, went and got a job Um, a big boy job with health insurance and all the good stuff. And he was able to cover Timmy. And that gave me one more year on my mom's health insurance to kind of figure out myself and what I was going to do. So we moved in with Drew's parents, Drew's dad and stepmom for a little while while Drew worked. I worked like part-time at the mall just for, you know, some something. And yeah, we kind of just went from there. What was it like? I'm also from a very small town. Mm -hmm. We had K through 12 in one school. It was, yeah, yeah, 65 kids I graduated with. And we had some pregnancies in our school as well. And I remember the 
energy towards those individuals shifted mm-hmm. a little bit. There was people, of course, who made judgments. There were, and it was, there was actually a girl on my cheerleading squad that had gotten pregnant and we all supported her. But I know that the reputation, because, you know, in high school, it's all about like reputation and popularity. And how did that shift for you? How did people treat you in that environment? Once you, the word got out that you were pregnant. This episode is sponsored by Her Circle, the supportive and welcoming community for moms created by Her Health Collective. Her Circle is a welcoming and supportive community for moms who are passionate about making change for themselves, their families, the community, and the world. Together, this village of women are revolutionizing the way moms take care of themselves. From an active, private online community and the incredible daily chats hosted there, to our many virtual gatherings, including support groups, Moms Night Out, volunteer opportunities, book club, family adventures, coffee chats, and so much more. We love providing moms the chance to connect and create authentic relationships with one another. The network of experts in her circle are a phenomenal resource and provide great learning experiences for moms on topics ranging from women's health to parenting. We cover the issues that matter to moms the most, from virtual expert Q&As to one-on-one wellness minute consultations and support groups. We are committed to getting moms in front of the information, experts, and support they need most. To learn more about Her Circle, head to www.herhealthcollective.com slash her dash circle. We have a limited number of spaces and the doors only open a few times a year. So be sure to add your name to the no obligation waitlist so you are the first to know when the doors officially reopen. So I was probably four or five months pregnant before anybody found out because it was the winter time. So I just kept wearing bigger and bigger clothing and no one really noticed by the time people found out I was already like starting to show, like I was already starting to move into maternity clothes type of situation. And there was a lot of chatter, right? There was a lot of talk. There was a lot of like whispering and like, you know, you could, I could feel people talking about me as I walked down the hallway. Right. But no one was outwardly mean. Like no one said to my face, the things that they were thinking lucky for me, this is terrible, but someone else got pregnant shortly after I did. And her story was much more dramatic. Like as far as like, who's the baby's dad was and things like that. So that really took the attention off of me really quickly. So I was the talk for like, I don't know, a couple of weeks and then people moved on to something else. Megan, you are open about your journey through postpartum depression and the impact it's had on both your marriage and your family. Can you share a bit about your postpartum experience? What did that look like for you? Yeah. So with Timmy, my oldest, there's lots of transition, right? My, my mom moved away. I moved in with Drew and his family. I no longer had the 
structure of routine of like going to school. Like I had all of my friends. I didn't have a lot of friends, but the people that I did have in my circle all went away to school and there was no social media. There really was barely texting. People just didn't really keep in touch and we didn't have anything in common anymore. So even if we did try to keep in touch, what would we talk about? I felt very alone and very isolated in my experience. I definitely had anxiety, but I grew up with anxiety. So that wasn't a different experience for me. It was just, you know, something more important that I was anxious about. And then with the depression, I had noticed things within myself, like, you know, my appetite, my general mood, the big thing that really was like my aha moment. Like there's something different about you that you need to kind of look at was I was driving one day from Drew's house to my mom's house. And it was a two hour drive. And I rode the whole way in total silence, which if you know me, even still to this day, if I'm in the car, my music is all the way up. My sunroof is open and I am jamming out. Like I'm having my own personal concert in that car. So when I realized you didn't even turn the music on, let alone sing and dance, there's like, something's not okay. And so From there, I just took steps myself to make myself do those things that I knew that made me happy. So lucky for me at that time, yes, I was experiencing postpartum depression, but it wasn't, I was able to pull myself out of it, which is not a lot of people's stories. When I went to my, you know, six week postpartum checkup and they, you know, they give you the screening, the list of questions. And I lied. I said, you know, everything's fine. Baby's great. I'm great. Because you know, there's so much pressure being a mom and then add the fact that you're barely an adult on top of it. There's this added pressure of you can't be a good mom. Right. So I was so aware of that. And I was so afraid to say this is hard or I'm not happy. I felt like if I said those things, or if I admitted that, that that would mean I am a bad mom. Like those thoughts would be truth then. And so I kept it to myself. Yeah. I, I did the exact same thing at that six week. I was always a good test taker and I knew that I didn't want this label. I didn't want this label of there being something wrong with me. And, but I knew there was, I I knew something was not right, but I I definitely fibbed. I I definitely moved the the scale on some of the questions. I I think a lot of women do. In addition to that, we're kind of told this narrative that like, this is motherhood. This, all of these things are normal. Like you, you're not interested in sex. That's normal. You're not, you know, out having fun with your friends. That's normal. You're not, you know, you're tired all the time. That's normal. You're a little grumpy. That's normal. Like welcome to motherhood is what a lot of doctors will even say. So like, even if you do have the courage to speak up and say, Hey, I need help. It's likely that you're going to be met with, well, that's just the stage of life that you're in. Like you just have to kind of accept that. And that's not, that's not the truth. Yeah. Did you have similar experiences with your other children? Did you have PPD or PPA with them? I didn't. So I had two more children. I was done having children before I was 24. So they were all kind of like, I was still very young still to this day. When we go places with my youngest, who's on like a travel soccer team. I'm the youngest mom by far still, but I was much more routine. So I had, I was working full-time by then. So I did take my leave, but I was right back to work. Like I was in a routine. I had to keep myself moving. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I know that every pregnancy and every experience is different, but for whatever reason, Timmy was, was the hardest. Sure. 
through your experience with postpartum depression and anxiety, you've become an advocate for mental health. What does advocacy look like for you? Yeah. Sometimes it's as simple as just sharing my story and even more importantly, like making sure that I reach out to the people in my life who have littles Mm -hmm. because there's still so many people that just don't get it, right? There are so many people that think, oh, you just want attention, get over it. I have more kids than you. Like, why can't you do this? Or, you know, my husband works out of town and you have the support of your husband, or I'm a single mom and you have a partner. There's all this comparison and almost like this, like people try to outdo each other's hardships. And sometimes you don't need a reason to be sad. Sometimes you're just depressed. You're just anxious. And you know, you can have the most beautiful, perfect life, even though I don't know that there is a such thing you could have everything, you know, on paper that, that people want and still find yourself in this anxious and depressed state. And I think that that's really hard because you're also comparing yourself to other people and thinking, why aren't I grateful? Why can't I be happy? I'll never be happy if I have all this stuff already. It's a really important conversation that's coming more and more to light, but I think we still have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It is so important to share our stories. It is how other people know they're not alone. Was it hard for you when you first started sharing your story? Was that a a challenge or was it just easy? Like you just wanted to share? Yeah, that's a great question. It wasn't easy. The very first time I shared my story, it was on my podcast and I was terrified, but I was like, this is, this is what I'm going through. I have to be transparent with the people that are in my community. So I'm just going to share. And I shared from a point of, I had already recognized it and had gotten help. Like I'd already been through the worst part of it. So I was kind, I wasn't totally on the other side, but I felt like I was compared to, you know, the pit that I had been in. And I shared, you know, just a quick synopsis, you know, this is kind of, these are the warning signs that I missed. So, Hey, FYI, cause it was still, we were still very much in COVID. You know, if you're experiencing these things, it's not just COVID it's not okay. Like here are some things that you can do for yourself. And I, I got a lot of feedback of people saying things like I had no idea. Like you seemed like you were fine. I'm going through the same thing. Like, thank you for sharing your story. And that's when it kind of hit me that, you know, we put these masks on and people don't know what's going on. And the amount of people that reached out and said, oh my God, me too, which me looking at them through this social media lens, I had no idea either. So it was just a really big wake up call that none of us are immune to this, right? Like one in four people will experience some sort of anxiety or depression in their lifetime. And that's a lot of people. And, you know, for us to just pretend that it's like, it could never happen or it would never happen to us does a disservice to everyone. We all go out into the public eye and we project ourselves a certain way that we want people to see us. I mean, we can put on a good show, even if we're not trained actors and actresses. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Looking at people, you never really know what their story is. It's hard to look at someone and say, I'm pissed. I'm pissed at them because they cut me off in line. When in reality, it's like, maybe they have a sick child and they're trying to buy something for that child. Maybe they really are trying to be a jerk, but you know, benefit of the doubt, maybe, (laughs) I don't know. The world would be a lot nicer if we did give the benefit of the doubt to people. Yeah. So we're so grateful that you shared your story. Thank you.
How much fun was it to talk to Megan? I really enjoyed getting to hear her story, and I have so many takeaways from our conversation today. Here are my top three. One, the stories we tell ourselves matter. We don't always have to create meaning out of events in our lives that ultimately revolve around other people. I also always find it helpful to remind myself that most people are consumed by their own story. They just aren't thinking about us or our story as much as we might think they are. You worrying about what someone thinks of you is more than likely a waste of time. Let it go. Let the negative stories go. Let the things that are not in your control go. Two, the narrative that this is just motherhood is incredibly problematic. Mothers are made to feel they shouldn't bother asking for help or advocate for change because this is just the way it is. We lie on our six-week postpartum checkups out of fear of the labels that might be attached to us. But the truth is, this is not motherhood. Help is available and in many cases, though not all, with the right support, we can change our circumstances. Three, the discussion about the comparison or competition over hardships struck a chord with me too. In so many cases, I've seen moms be incredibly supportive of one another, but I see that there's often a certain degree of one-upping each other when it comes to sharing struggles we've been through. I believe there is immense power in sharing our stories, and I will never say we shouldn't do that. But I think it's important to look at our motivations when we do decide to share. Are we sharing because we feel that someone could truly benefit from hearing our story and perhaps it can help us feel more connected? Or is it about showing someone that we've been through something harder? It's important to do a personal evaluation before we start sharing our challenging stories. Make sure you catch part two with Megan next week. We dive into marriage and struggles that happen in long-term relationships, what it means to be a no BS mama and why we should all strive for that and what finding wellness means to Megan and how she is incorporating that in her life. There's some really great stuff. So we hope you'll join us next week. High five, friend. We've enjoyed hanging out with you. Follow us to be the first to know when we drop a new episode. If you've enjoyed your time with us, let us know by leaving a review. We always love hearing from you. Until next time, stay true to you.